Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's going to be a it's going to be a good service for 40 of you. <laughs> if you guys are thankful for our worship team, everything they do, and Pastor Ethan, appreciate you guys. Really, really good stuff. Well, I want to I want to start with something uh, a little bit serious before we get into the message today. I've already addressed my feelings on this uh, through social media this week, but I know there's a lot of people that are going to be on on varying degrees of the spectrum as far as how you feel and your beliefs and everything. Um, and I'm not going to get into opinions and all that kind of stuff. I don't need to get into opinions. I, I, my life is based on this. Everything that I do is based on this. And so what I'm getting ready to say has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with morality. It has everything to do with what I know the word says about life and the sanctity of life. And, and when I read scriptures like I was knit together in my mother's womb, and before I was even born, you knew me and called me. Uh, and, and countless other verses, it, it's clear how our Father God feels about life. Before science, before the ability to, to see inside the womb throughout the scripture, it was clear about where life begins. And, and so I think it's also important that we understand we are not citizens of this world. Uh, we are blessed to live in what is still the greatest nation on the planet. You could have been born anywhere, though. We're blessed. And, but at the end of the day, our priority is, is not what's happening here. It's living our lives for a different kingdom so that as many people as possible can be influenced to go there with us. That's our priority. I, I don't think that we should ever be surprised when a lost world acts lost. And sin will always be progressive. Sin unchecked always gets more and more severe. Abortion has always been wrong at any point in the process, period. I'm no more heartbroken now than I've always been about that. You could ask the question, what happens to the unborn baby? What happens to their spirit? What happens to their soul? And I don't want to get into the theology of that, but they are innocent. So maybe they go to heaven. There's some indication that'd be the case. What, what should be our focus? The souls of the people that are here. I think the issue is we need to stop um, God understands righteous anger. Uh, and, 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 I, and I think we can trust him in his vengeance. We can trust him in that. And I'm not saying that we should remain silent, but we should speak to things based on the conviction of the word of God and not based on our opinion or politics. And, and our convictions need to be also very concerned with those moms that find themselves in these positions where they're lost and desperate and hurting 
And whether it's because they made a foolish decision or something horrific was done to them, what is our role? Because the, the problem with the church is not the sin of the world. But the problem with the world is the sin of the church. And if the church was simply being what the church is meant to be, wouldn't it be interesting if this whole situation and subjects just got eradicated because all these young moms feel so loved and taken care of by the body of Christ that they would never even consider killing that child? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if instead of getting angry and getting in debates about the politics of it, if we were just simply positioning ourselves to really love people. And understand this, when someone can sit and sign their name to put into act a law that murders people, that person is in an identity crisis in their relationship with Jesus. They're, they're lost. They are lost. That is the only explanation. They just don't know that they're loved. They've never experienced the love of Jesus in their own life. When you don't know that you're loved, it changes your perspective on the value of life. It changes it. It corrupts it. And so I just want to I just want to let you know that where where we are as a body is we pray for our authority. None of you live in New York City, so you can't have a vote on who's in power there. Um, you can sign a petition. There's things that you can do to make your voice known, but I promise you this. The word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them. Prayer works. Prayer works. So I think we pray for those in authority. We pray for the people whose souls are so apart from their creator that, that, that they would make these kinds of decisions. But we also pray for the people that would feel so desperate and so lost and expecting a child that they would feel like this is the only option that they have. The church needs to be the option they have. The body of Christ needs to be the option that they have. But maybe they feel judged. Maybe they feel dirty. Maybe they feel like they can't ever walk into a church. That's on us. Not legislatures. That's on us. So we can change that. That's something we do have the ability to change. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you're in, you're in charge. You're in control. You're sovereign. Nothing's ever happened that surprised you. God, this, this is, your heart's never, it's not that it's more broken now than it was before. It's always been broken. It's always been broken for the shedding of innocent blood. Your word is clear on that. But Lord, we want to stand in the gap for those moms. We don't know the story. We don't know the situation and the circumstance. We don't know everything that they're going through. But I pray in the name of Jesus that these types of laws would become irrelevant because the body of Christ rises up and loves these people like they're supposed to be loved.
that these laws will become irrelevant because the demand for these things becomes irrelevant. And God, I pray that you would place Christ's followers, sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the path of every person that would make a decision to end one of these lives and let them see your love. Let them see your character reflected in them in such a way where they have hope, where they have hope and that their hearts would be softened and that they would know who they are in you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand this morning. This is a big day for us. As, as Jared mentioned, we have our life group launch this evening. And, uh, you know, these semesters, they come around, and, and at one point or another, myself or another pastor will stand on stage and we'll give a compelling plea for people to, to be connected. Um, and, and it is biblical. And I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, we also have our Connect class uh, where, where another effort and opportunity to, to try to help people understand who we are as a church and help people make a better decision about whether or not they want to be rooted in this house and rooted in this, in this body of believers. Uh, but we're, we're continuing our series on real change. And we've talked about a couple subjects with that. And last week we, we were talking about the word and the power of that. And, and I want to talk more about how to walk out real change We've been looking at this verse in Galatians 5, when it says, it is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. And you can underline that, burden again by the yoke of slavery. Paul is, is talking about this to, to the early church because he understood that there was a possibility and a high likelihood that people could be burdened again. Burdened again to what? Well, for some people, it was being burdened again to religion to the law. Um, that's what he's specifically speaking to in this, is a group of people that were suggesting that there were parts of the law that still needed to be practiced in spite of Jesus coming and fulfilling and completing the law. But he also knew that people that, that are Christ followers, people that were being saved, there was also a tendency in human nature for all of us to be burdened again, that we could make decisions that would put us back in a position where we could struggle. So let's just be honest. How many of you at one point or another have struggled in doing some of the things that you used to do before, okay? Now, I think everybody's hand should probably be up. If your hand's not up, you're probably lying and you're lying in church. And so you just actually went back to what you used to do by not raising your hand because all of us have struggled at one point or another with being totally honest and transparent. And so all of us can do this. And I, I, have, I have multiple areas in my life where I, I, I know my tendencies that I could be burdened again by former ways of thinking, acting, feeling. Uh, and, and one of the things that can happen to me, as I've shared before some of my testimonies, I was growing up, I got picked on and bullied a little bit. And so as I got into high school, I kind of got a, a hard shell where I, I was a little bit just angry. Uh, I had a temper. And, and and so short fuse. So somebody messed with me, I just went off. I, I got in a few fights. I didn't win very many, but I got in a few fights and, and just, just angry. And most of, most of the time, my anger was actually more focused towards injustice and other people being picked on or other people being mistreated. But I just, just angry, had a short fuse. It just would go off. And, and by the grace of God, like when I answered the call and, and, and just 
wanted to be who God created me to be. I, I don't struggle with it too much. Uh, but there are a few areas where it can demonstrate itself. I've shared my, my little bit of my issue with road rage, okay? That's one of the places my anger can come out, just dealing with bad drivers. It can just happen there. It just happens there. Uh, but I, I also struggle with um, HHIA. Uh, and some of you guys may not be familiar with this, but it is a struggle that, that a lot of people struggle with, specifically men. Um, and that is hit head initiated anger. Okay, because there's just something that happens. When you hit your head on something, there is a trigger that can make you, you can be totally fine. Great. But the wife sends you up in the attic to get the Christmas decorations down and you hit your head on one of those support beams, mm -hmm. it'll make you feel like you wanna tear the entire house down board by board and burn it. <laughs> and so the other day, Cody gets home with the groceries and I go to unload the groceries. And when I say unload the groceries, I mean carry every one of those bags in in one load because that's what a real man does. It doesn't matter how many bags there are. It doesn't matter how many appendages you might lose because of a loss of blood flow. You start stacking those bags on. You just start, you see you're weaving your hand through all the bags, all the loops. You're getting them. So I'm loaded up. I'm ready to do this thing. Lift with the knees, right? And, and, and so I go and I stand up and I'm feeling victorious because I got all the bags. One trip. Let's do this thing. I turn and I hit my head. <laughs> right on the corner of that back door. I'm not gonna get into theology of whether or not you can lose your salvation or not. <laughs> but if you can, that is one of the ways it happens. Because when you... Mm, so many words, you know, just happen in your heart. And, and so that I, I can still struggle with a very short fuse. I can still get very angry. And so that means that there is still areas of my life that have to be completely surrendered. And that's what I wanna talk about, living totally surrendered totally surrendered to the plan of God. Now, a lot of times you talk about the word surrender, it doesn't necessarily have a positive connotation, you know? Like wave the white flag, surrender, you know, tapping out in an MMA fight, like I give up, uh, quitting in the middle of a football game, I'm looking at you, Alabama, or uh, something like that, where you just give up, just kind of quit. But there are, there, when it comes to our relationship with God, it's one of the most positive things you can experience. It's actually one of the things that, that a lot of times we'll demonstrate in worship. You know, we we're talking about that today, just like, hey, if you just need more of God, just lift your hands to him. And some of y'all though, because we have so many people from so many different church backgrounds or no church background, but you name it, we are a melting pot. You, every denomination you could imagine, we have them in here, okay? So, so when you're in a church like this, and, and, and first of all, just the music we have, and you're like, well, that is different, you know? I've never experienced that before. And so that could take you back just by itself. But then, then you might start seeing people like raising their hands like, do they have a question? Is someone going to help? I think they need to go to the bathroom. I'm not sure. They're kind of moving like they need to, you know, like 
you, you may not know what's even going on. And, and in fact, and then there's those of us that we've been raised around it our whole life. So it's like an automatic thing. In fact, there's like, we, we understand there's like different classifications of hand raising. And, and there was actually an amazing evangelist. His name is Tim Hawkins. And he kind of helped like describe what this process is like as far as the different hand raising techniques that you can have as you're in an, a non-denominational experience. And so for those of you who aren't aware, this is how some people who have been raised around this, like there's classification. So a lot of times when people come in and they're not used to that, they got to start somewhere. So a lot of people, you know, might just be hands on the, on the chair in front of them. Just like, all right, I'm just, I got my chair. Somebody tries to come at me, I'm going to throw this chair at them. That's what's going to happen, all right? I'm not quite comfortable with all this quite yet, all right? So just let me hold my chair. And it's not really even my chair. They're going to sit in it, but right now it's mine. Okay? But, but then eventually you might, you know, start warming up a little bit. So you kind of get the, the, the arm flap going a little bit. Just kind of start to, just kind of start loosening up the shoulders a little bit. Like, all right, we'll worship. Eventually you're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to try, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hold my TV. Just hold my TV. Hold my TV. Big screen. If you want to, you can go big screen if you want to. Hold my TV. Hold my TV. But, but eventually, you'll know that you've been in a non-denominational church for a while as your hands begin to go further and further up. So eventually, you'll have, hold my baby. Just kind of hold my baby. Hold my baby. Just kind of nestle it right there. Hold my baby. My fish was this big. My fish was this big. For the liars, you know, you know how that works. You just go a little wider. Mufasa, it's a little higher, a little higher. You kind of got that thing going for you. And then you enter into expert, the expert mode. And this is where hands become fully extended. Uh, and it, it's goalpost. It's goalpost. Uh, you might throw some heartburn in there a little bit. Oh. Pointer, student, hatchet. Rocky. YMCA. So there's just, there's all those variations, you know, that you gotta, you'll, you'll learn. You're here long enough, you'll learn them. But in all seriousness, why do we do it? Well, the universal symbol for I give up is Hands raised, I give up. So sometimes that's what I'm doing. Like, God, I give up. I surrender. God's not necessarily up there, but he is high and lifted up. He is holy. And so sometimes it's, it's just reaching up. Like your kids do to you when they, when they hurt themselves. Sometimes it's, it's just, I don't have this. I need what you have. Please give me what you have, please. So I'm open. I'm open. It's a place of surrender. But the truth is that that's a position of our life. It's not just worship. And all kidding aside, it's like, how do you live a life that is totally surrendered. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, this is the message translation. 
Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Can I get an amen on that? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you, but I can surrender to some of that. This is, I believe, the heart of God. But how? How do you do this? How does this happen? In Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Like it can't happen without that who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is describing real change. This is a supernatural change. This is not a superficial change because if we're honest, all of us have sensed this season of our life where we, need, we felt like we needed change. But so often we just change things superficially. We don't change the real issue. We just want, we change what, what we can see and what we can feel. You know, so we move stuff around the house. You know, we buy some stuff or we throw some stuff away because that doesn't bring me joy. So you just get rid of that, you know. Or we change jobs, or we change cities, or we change friends, or we change spouses, because we just feel like something's gotta change. And sometimes those things do need to change. But it doesn't matter if you change all those, if you haven't started with this, nothing will change. Things will stay the same. So we've gotta have this transformation change this verse breaks down what has to change in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body, and those are the three main things we're gonna look at so you can underline those. Your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So th that, that is actually the, the, the parts, the elements that make up every single one of us. Like how, how are we living completely surrendered? Every one of those areas of who we are have to be surrendered. So that it starts with this. It starts with surrendering to salvation. You start with surrendering with salvation. Your spirit must be saved. You cannot have real change if you don't start with this. And this is God's ultimate solution with providing the ultimate sacrifice to Jesus. In John 16, 4, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Okay, but that isn't just knowing who Jesus is or believing in Jesus because demons believe in Jesus. Trust me. And at his name, they scatter like cockroaches. Okay, so it's not just to know him. It's a personal relationship with him. It's in faith accepting that he is the only one who could save you. And because he's the only one that can save you, he also deserves to have total say over what happens in your life. You see, it's one thing for me to know someone. It's another thing for me to say, I submit to you. I submit to you. I, 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 I'm going to let you 
have control. It's called lordship. It's not just making Jesus our Savior. It's making Jesus our Lord. And it has to start there. Your, your spirit can't be saved without that. Without that surrender. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. We as fathers, we understand how we can determine the, the atmosphere of our home so quickly. All we have to do is raise our voice and suddenly things will get really quiet. And the joy will just kind of get sucked out of that place. We can also rain down blessings. Rain down blessings. And sometimes the hard part is our kids don't see that. Like our kids don't see like we've provided for them. So every once in a while, like I'll buy my, get my kids some candy. Or maybe I'm not even with them. Maybe their mom gets them the candy. I know we have dual incomes around here, but I'm the main provider for our family. And so my kids will get back around me. I'm like, hey, give me some of your candy. They're like, no, it's my candy. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, so what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. Grab a jacket. It's going to be cold outside tonight. <laughs> I'm like, you little crumb snatcher, you better give me some of your candy right now. Because what they don't understand is, look, I have the ability. You think that little box of candy is good? I could buy you a 20-pound bag of that candy and rain it down on your life. I could bless you. God wants to bless you. He wants to hook you up. But the only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And we've got to get this. Because if we don't, we're going backwards. We need real change. Some of y'all saw or heard my, my youngest, Grayson. Last Saturday night, she made the decision to, to give her life to the Lord. She made Jesus the boss of her life. And then on Sunday, she was water baptized, which is an amazing, amazing thing for our family. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, and then Monday came. And Grayson is still Grayson. And we are raising leaders <laughs> in our home. And Tuesday rolled around and she's got a little sass. And she did something she knew she wasn't supposed to do. And probably bossing all of us around, telling us what we're supposed to do with the puppy because she's a dog expert all of a sudden. So I had to take her in our room for discipline. And she didn't want to be in there. Ever met a child that wanted to be disciplined? <laughs> like, oh, yes, Father. Oh, you're right. I've made a grave mistake, and I know that this discipline will make me a better person. <laughs> Please proceed. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way. And she's just getting more and more upset, louder and louder. So I'm getting louder and louder, trying to get her to understand. And then at one point, she just screams, but I got baptized. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> because the thing is, we're baptized daily. That's what it looks like. You see, daily, you die to yourself so that you can be made alive in Christ. But it's a process. 
It's a process. It's a process of surrender. So yes, you may be saved, but it doesn't end there. But it has to start there. It has to start with your spirit being saved, your whole spirit being saved. When, when you are saved, you get immediate justification, redemption of your spirit. And you can't skip that step, but it doesn't stop there. And you can't make yourself right. You can't save yourself. You can't do it by good works. Even by church attendance. Even by serving in church. Even by paying, paying your tithes. That, that those things are not the things that save you. You doing what the law says doesn't save you. It says this in Galatians 2.16. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through a personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? Well, we tried it. We had the best system of rules the world has ever seen, meaning the Old Testament, like Leviticus, specifically the Ten Commandments. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. And goes on to say, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God. It didn't work. So I will quit being a law man so that I can be God's man. That's a message translation. So have you truly made Jesus your savior? You truly. You'll have a chance to do that later in this service. And this is what it means. It means you're submitting your spirit to his spirit. To be led by his spirit. And if you've taken that step, then it's the first step to freedom. Second thing is this. You've got to surrender to the process of sanctification. Now, that's a long spiritual word. Maybe some of us have heard, some of us haven't. Maybe have different understandings of what the word sanctification means. But I'm just going to make it as simple as I possibly can. Because it does say that your soul must be restored. Okay, your soul is what needs to be sanctified. Your spirit can be saved. Your soul needs to be sanctified. And Luke 14, 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, this is Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has, set, he has sent me to announce release, or that's pardon, forgiveness, to the captives, and recovery of the sight of the blind, not just physically, but spiritually blind. To set free those who are oppressed, Okay, another word for that, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by situation, circumstance, tragedy, to proclaim a favorable year of the Lord. This is Jesus saying that this is why he was sent. And when I think about that word oppressed, meaning just bruised and crushed, this is where I see so many of you, where life and situations and circumstances just it, it could be relational, it could be financial, it could be a lot of different things, but you just walk around beat up, crushed, saved, saved, but not restored, not sanctified, and, and not in the process of it. And so, 
So it's so frustrating for you because you're like, but I'm saved and I'm baptized. So why is it still happening? Because your soul still has some work to do. There's still some things that God wants to do in you. So what is this sanctification? This is the act of God restoring, healing, and rescuing your soul. And the, the definition of it is simply this, to make holy or to set apart. Another translation, I love this, it says to set apart for its intended purpose. To set apart for its intended purpose, okay? I love that because what, in reality what happens is when you get saved, your, your spirit's saved, but your soul has been corrupted. And so until your soul is restored, you won't even know what, how God originally intended for you to live and work. It's kind of like your phone. Like if your phone starts messing up and you can't figure out like what to do, the, the, you get to a place where you have to hard reset your phone. Like you gotta just completely wipe it clean and start all over again. Some of you are like, but a man, my score on Candy Crush is amazing. I don't want to lose that. And, and all my, my pictures, my, oh, I'm going to lose everything. But for so many of us, our soul needs a hard reset. We got to start back from the beginning the way we were originally created to operate and work. Sometimes that's what your soul needs. It's a hard reset. It says this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece, man. This is another verse. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so he can do the good things that he planned for us long ago, even before we were born. God created you, but the world has corrupted you. You don't believe me? Just think about how life works. When, when, a, when a baby is outside of the womb, inside of the womb, the baby, it's not subjected. It's completely innocent. It's not even subjected to, to the same things that we're subjected to as far as how gravity works and all that. Like the womb protects all that. As soon as it's born, as soon as it's born, the baby begins to become corrupted. Even just by natural elements. How many of y'all know gravity corrupts you? You feeling it right now. But, but even a baby, like a baby just swaddled and sleeping, you know. Babies usually, they're only crying if they're hungry or tired. Or their diaper's dirty. But if you got those things taken care of, man, that baby's so sweet, innocent. It's just the cutest little thing. Okay, fast forward a year and a half to that kid in Walmart. Something happened. They ain't acting the same way anymore. They're corrupted. They've been corrupted. And let's be honest, sometimes you help the corruption along. Fast forward another 15 years. Yeah. Fast forward another 15, 20 years. The 
if you haven't been restored through sanctification, it's when you get to a place where with a clear conscience and a smile on your face, you can sit down and put your signature on something that'll murder babies. Corrupted. Not sanctified. Not restored. And we all have to walk through this process. And sanctification is simply the day-to-day process of the Lord uprooting the things that are in you that aren't in Him so that you can be more like Him because that's the only place you find peace, joy, rest. The problem is we live in a I get what I want when I want it culture and society, right? We can get it quick. So you're hungry? Man, there's a Wendy's down the street with a Baconator with your name on it. You can go get that. Thirsty? It's happy hour somewhere. I'm talking about Sonic people. Come on now. Don't, don't judge me. Thirsty? There's a coffee shop around the corner that will load you up with enough caffeine and sugar to put down an adolescent rhinoceros. You're bored? You can literally entertain yourself by staring at a lit up rectangle for the rest of your life. Right now. It's at your fingertips. Need sanctification? Sorry, guys, there's no quick solution to that one. It's a process. It's going to take time. It's not immediate. And some of us have been unwilling and some of us unable because of a lack of knowledge to walk through the sanctification process. But nobody in this room can claim not to know after today. We need to be sanctified. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. That's what our, our soul is, our mind, will, and emotions. So the Lord is saying he wants our soul to be sanctified to him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying he wants to reset your mind, the way that you think and reason. He wants to reset your will, how you make choices, the choices you make. He wants to reset your emotions, what you believe, feel, even remember. He wants to restore, reset the way that you make decisions. And if you have a difficult time making the right decisions, you're in good company. Paul felt the same way. In Romans 7, he said this in verse 18, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. So even Paul had to be sanctified. So do we. So practical thing. Here's one practical tip to help you with sanctification. If you are struggling in any one of these areas, your thoughts, your emotions, or your will, find a verse that speaks directly to your area of struggle. Google it. Find a verse that speaks specifically to the area that you're having a difficult time finding sanctification in because like we talked about last week, the word of God is irrevocable, irrefutable truth. 
It has always been. It will always be. It is always relevant. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God, and the Word was God. From the beginning, this is our guidelines of ultimate truth. And so if there is an area of our life that is not falling in alignment and submission to ultimate truth, we need to find that verse of ultimate truth to speak to the area that we need sanctification in. So if you struggle in peace, if you're struggling with your peace, then that area of your thought life, the area of your feelings that is causing you to be anxious needs to be submitted under truth. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace that transcends your understanding will guard your heart and your mind, your feelings and your thinking in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with fear, you need to find a scripture that speaks specifically to your fear, like 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but, and timidity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Or another translation says, self-discipline. If we struggle with demonstrating the character of Christ, this is one of the greatest verses. You can just read down this verse and it's like a personal checklist of how you're reflecting the character of Christ, the spirit of Jesus every day. In Galatians 5.22, it says, the, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Did you catch that? There isn't a law enacted by man that can stand against the spirit of God and the fruit that he produces in you. There is no law signed by man that can overcome the fruit of the Spirit if we're living it out. And so this is great. When I just read down this list, it's like, how am I doing today? Okay. Ooh. Patient. Well, 167 did its best, but you can't have me today. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not today. You need to find a verse to get that part of who you are sanctified. Start the process, be patient with the process. It's a process. And be confident though that God is leading to you to a place of freedom through the restoration and sanctification of your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. Number three, surrender to accountability. Surrender to accountability. Your body has to be submitted. Your body, your physical body, and that's the last thing mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is important because it doesn't matter how saved your spirit is or at what point of sanctification your soul is in. Until we get to heaven, our bodies are still weak and have triggers, right? So you walk into your favorite restaurant, you smell their cooking, you're like, it's about to go down. It's a trigger. You remember you walk into Colton, as soon as your hiney hits the sea, you're like, bring me the manna from heaven now. Bring me the basket of those rolls. You better bring it. Don't, don't be stingy with all that butter. You better bring me some butter up in this place. And you keep them coming, sister. I'm here to eat. 
because we have triggers. We have things that we've we fed our physical bodies on. And there's a lot of things, though, that we need accountability with that are a lot more serious than roles. Because if we don't get accountability in those areas, our bodies are the vehicle of our spirit and soul. So this thing is going to take my saved spirit and my restored soul places. And if it doesn't have accountability, you could undo a lot of sanctification really quickly. You can put yourselves in positions of weakness. Our body, I'll just go with the five senses. And I'm gonna put two of them together, smell and taste, because if you can't smell, you can't taste. This is important though. What do you taste? What do you taste? What are you allowing? Your sight. What are you looking at? Your touch. And, and what, what do you hear? The sound. What do you hear? Because these are like the gates. These are like gates. Wisdom helps you choose what to open these gates to and what to close them to. Wisdom is fortified through the sanctification of your soul. You open your gate, it'll weaken your soul if you open it to the wrong thing. It'll weaken your soul. It'll, it'll weaken the Spirit of God working in you when you open your gates to different things that God never intended for you to have in your life. So, so it tastes, I mean, it could, it could be drinking too much. It could be substance. It could be an eating disorder. What you look at, what you watch, whew, man, it's like you can't leave the house. You just gotta sit in a dark room somewhere because you're, you're just constantly subjected to this. Look, the first glance is not what gets you. It's the second glance that gets you. You can't always help seeing something. But that gate can see something and you can make the decision in your soul, no, that, that's not what I need. Or you can open the gate and look again. That'll affect your soul. What do you touch? What do you touch? Understand that all these gates can be used for the glory of God too. Because God has called us to touch people, to reach out to people, to help people. Do you have accountability? Do you have accountability in your, your friendships, your relationships, accountability in the word of God, accountability in your marriage? It says this in Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Too many people are standing alone these days. Too many people are standing in a crowd alone these days. Too many people have thousands of friends on social media and they're completely alone. And I'm not suggesting that you need to invite dozens of people to know the intimate details of where you are in your sanctification process and, and where your soul is and being restored. But you need to find at least one person that will be completely honest and loving with you. 
And I'll say this, for any of you that are married, it's your spouse should be your number one accountability, without a doubt. I'd also encourage you to find somebody of the same sex outside of your marriage that you can have this accountability with. Why? Because if you haven't noticed, men and women are different. So we struggle with different things. And there's just gonna be some things, my wife, like she's just like, I don't even know how to help you with that. And there's gonna be some things that she struggles with like, I'm not even gonna say anything. And she's like, you should talk to Michelle. <laughs> Call a friend. You need accountability. Your spirit needs to be saved. Your soul needs to be sanctified. And your vessel needs accountability to keep it protected. A great way to look at this is when it comes to accountability, always have someone ahead of you. Someone ahead of you in life that's just been there and done that, overcome it. Have people beside you that are living life with you that can help lift your arms up and always remember there's someone watching you from behind. That is built in accountability. I promise you, if you're raising kids, whether you see it or not or like it or don't, they're holding you accountable. They're watching you. They're gonna imitate what you do. They're gonna imitate you worshiping the Lord and raising your hand, or they're gonna imitate the way that you treat people. Keep that structure around you. A life of surrender. There was these two Sunday school teachers and, and they wanted to teach on the, this scripture in Malachi. 3, 3, it says, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. And they wanna teach on this, but to, to get more context, they wanna understand what does that process look like? So they went to a silversmith and, and asked him, hey, can you just show us like, what's the whole process? Like start to finish, like how do you get silver to a place where you can work with it and use it? And he says, well, it has to, it has to be cleaned up. And so you put it in a crucible, this hot fire that melts the, melts the silver down. And as the, the silver heats up, the impurities in the silver begin to rise to the surface. That's called the dross. And, and as it's hot enough, the, the dross will actually change colors to where you can tell what is the silver and what's the dross. What are the impurities? And, and what you do is it either burns off or you have to take it off the top. You have to skim it off the top. You skim it off the top. And this is a process. You do it over and over and over again. Before they're getting ready to leave, they say, well, that, that's great. But how do you know when it's ready? How do you know when, you, when you've gotten the, the impurities out? He said, that's easy, I can see my reflection. When I look in it and I can see my reflection, that's when I know. You see what, what your heavenly father desires is that when he looks at you, he can see his reflection. It is a process. It is hot. It is uncomfortable. It's painful even. But you know what? The world also needs to see your heavenly father reflected to, through you. We, we don't need, what we need to worry about is just keeping our focus on becoming the, the sons and daughters God has created us to be. And I promise if you do that, when they look at us, they will see our heavenly father reflecting through us. That is our goal. That is our mission. That is what we breathe, eat, sleep. Like, bring me to that place has to start with your spirit. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you're not completely confident that your, your spirit, that you're saved, that you've believed that Jesus 
he came and he died for you. Not just an unknowledge. It's, this is not just, I've known about this whole, my whole life because I went to Sunday school and I went to church. This isn't, this isn't because at one point or another, maybe a bunch of your friends put peer pressure on you and you, you responded to an altar call. At that point, it's just emotionally driven, but there was no deep personal conviction like, man, no, this is, this is gonna change me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna surrender my life to this. And if you're here today and you've just never done that, you've never, you've never come to Jesus with a personal understanding, like I need you to save me, Jesus. Like I'm a sinner. I need to submit my life to you as my Lord. If you're here today and you've never done that, or, or maybe you did, or you thought you did, but you just don't have confidence right now. You feel like you're still away from God. I wanna give you a chance to be saved. And I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird except just be willing to admit it. Just be willing to, to do something as an act of your will to just admit, this is me. This is me and I, I wanna talk to God. I wanna ask Jesus to save me. If that's you here today, nobody look around, if that's you, put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. If you know you need a savior today, as soon as I see you, got it, got it. Yeah, got it, got it. Thank you guys. Yes, sir, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just away from God. I need, to, I need salvation. I need my spirit to be saved today. Anybody else? I need a relationship with God. Thank you. Got it, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, thank you. I got it. This is just your brother in Christ and your pastor saying, hey, thank you. Thanks for being bold. Thanks for being honest. God's gonna honor this. You raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but you raising your hand, man, I promise you, those people that are raising their hands, the grace of God is hitting them like they've never experienced right now, just admitting this, just saying, I need you, Jesus. Anybody else? Okay, just wanna make sure I see everybody. Those, those of you that just raise your hand, we'll just, let's just talk to him. Let's talk to him. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I need you. And I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. My sin separates me from you. And, and right now, I believe, I believe that you came and you died on the cross for me. If I was the only one, you would have died for me. And you paid the price for my sin. Thank you that you didn't stay dead though. You rose from the grave. You defeated my sin. You defeated death. You rose again. I thank you that you, you're preparing a place for me even now in heaven. Right now though, I, I wanna surrender my life to you. I wanna live the way you want me to live. I wanna live according to your plan and your purpose. And so God, right now I, I submit myself to, to the process of being restored. I thank you that I'm saved but God, I don't wanna just be saved. I wanna have a purpose. I wanna find life and life to the full and find fulfillment. So God, sanctify me. I wanna walk, I submit myself to you as my Lord for my soul to be restored. Help me, Lord. Help me to understand your word. Help me to be led by your Holy Spirit. God, help me to be connected to your body and to the church and so that I can be supported, encouraged and held accountable. I need you. Thank you, God, for giving me a new life. Father, I thank you for those decisions that were made. I thank you that heaven is throwing a party right now for every person that's made that decision. 
God, we as a church, Lord, we're in all different places. But Lord, what we desire, what we desire is for you to be able to see your reflection when you look at us. But also, God, that the world would see you reflected in us when they look at us. So God, whatever it is that is in me, whatever it is that is in me that is not in you, reveal it, God. Reveal it. Reveal it. Thank you for your grace and gentleness that draws us to repentance. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand this morning. We're thankful for all those folks who made a decision.